Hey everybody, it's Jeff with Savage Gentlemen. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We're talking about manly men in the Arctic and surviving like temperatures and stuff you would never believe. But before we go too far, Zach, hit it. <laughs> America. America. Zach worked so hard on that. I just love it That's too. Job, so Zach. I'm here with Josh. Hi. And Josh has been like uh well, he's been in the coldest regions of anybody I've ever met before. But, Josh, tell us about yourself. Uh, just a regular Canadian boy who likes to wear his toque and play hockey. Um, I've hey. been, uh, hey, I've been up We've in... been doing Canadian language school here the oh, last couple right of hours. <laughs> yeah, I've been all through the, uh, through the Arctic from the Northwest Territories to Nunavut, uh, Northern Quebec. Uh, seen a, a few things, done a lot of things and might exaggerate about some other things <laughs> there you have it there you have it so we were talking it's like been absolutely fascinating so you guys are going to have to help me out there so i don't run down too many rabbit holes because we're talking about grizzly bears and polar bears and black bears and avalanches Seals. and like cold like you've never believed cold and the difference between Inuits and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, we've got a great show lined up for you guys tonight. So I think you're going to find it interesting. This is your time to talk to a guy that has got some pretty good experience out there in the uh, very wild regions of the world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Josh, what were you doing out in those wild regions? I was doing a lot of uh, of mineral exploration. So what, do, what does that mean? Uh, just going out and digging a hole, looking for gold, copper, silver, whatever, uh, whatever the company paid us to look for. So that's big mining companies. Yeah. That are, that yeah. It'll are... be it'll be big mining companies. It'll be uh, small prospects, whatever else, diamonds, everything else. It was a good way to spend my my twenties. Wow. That, that's how did you? I mean, how did you get into that? I ended up just making a phone call to the wrong person, and next thing I knew. I was just whisked away. <laughs> whisked away. So, like, literally, you were talking earlier, you would you would fly in helicopter into the, like, super remote areas. Yeah, yeah. we would uh, we would end up taking, fr taking a plane from a major Canadian city up to some remote northern airport from there, take some, some old uh, bush plane out to a, a landing field and then chop her into the bowl of God knows what and God knows where, some old Huey or something. It was a great time. Wow. And so were you drilling or, I mean, like literally out there with an E-tool and a pickaxe? Oh, yeah, I know. So we had these uh, these mounted drills. They're called diamond drills. You feel free to Google them. They've been around forever. Um, lots of lots of hard work. So all the equipment would be there. We'd just get in our little shack and just start digging holes. So would you dig a hole like in the sh in the shack? and like, kind of Oh, like, no, no, no. So kind of like ice fishing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So the idea behind it was... You just go and you load up your rod with a drill bit on it and you fire it through a hydraulic head and that hydraulic head would spin and start breaking ground and it goes down and then you retrieve a core sample out of that and you just keep going. How far How far down were you going? Uh, two, three hundred meters. Wow. It varied. So so when we start talking about like savage gentlemen, like this, this brings back memories. Like I've said for a long time where it's like if you want to live a life of high adventure, like the military is like one of the last bastions of that. And, and I constantly keep meeting guys like Josh where it's like, okay, well, you've just fractured that idea because you're literally like going out on these mining and the pipeline and stuff. You're living the life of high adventure. I mean, yeah, but we didn't get to shoot anybody. So yeah, but you had to worry about like grizzly bears. And, yeah, that's and, like, uh, that was a good time. I, so I you miss were, it. so like we got to start off with this great story. So tell us the story about when the uh, berry patch and okay. the grizzly bear. So this wasn't in the Arctic. This was uh, this was in the northern mountains around British Columbia, Alaska area. So they'd uh, choppered me into uh, 
like a low point of the mountain and I had about 30 pounds worth of gear on me and I was sent up the mountain to go to go cut line and track line with the GPS. So I'm just putting along and I'm, I'm doing my thing and I end up in this in this fairly clear area full of berries. And I'm like, huh, well, it's quite a bit of berries around here. So I just keep carrying on and all of a sudden I hear through the ground, a, you know, like this thumping noise. And it kind of freaks me out a little bit and you can hear the bushes moving. Um, so just keep going, going, going. And then I hear uh, uh, the bush breaking in front of me, a man, there's something running towards me. And I just yelled, you know, get the fuck away from me. And it was my buddy. And he says, hey, Josh, do you realize there's a big pile of fresh bear shit right here? <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> and we're talking like grizzlies. Grizzlies, yeah. We're so, not talking so you small had, potatoes. So you had, said, you had said before there was this grizzly that was climbing the mountain. Yeah, like it, was it was off our flank from where we were at. It was about the size of a Honda Civic. And that's going to be no word of a lie. That's not really much of an exaggeration. And I had two cubs with us, and it was, a, it was a big grizzly. Wow. And so how often, I mean, really, how often do bears attack guys or gals or whoever? I've, uh, I've never seen it happen, I've, nor have I ever heard of it happening anywhere I've been. But it is high alert. So you have your bear aware training. And the, the bear aware training is bear, bear. bear aware. Bear aware. That's actually bear aware. That's going to be a great, that's the next t-shirt. Bear, I've got a, yeah. Zach, you need to get me a pen so I can write that bear aware. It's woe bear. Wo you bear. put your hands up above your head and you start screaming. <laughs> Look at that. Bear. Look at that. Bear aware. That's going to be. That's tight. Aware. Heard it here first. Bear aware. I'm going to put a question mark on there. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Are you bear aware? Maybe we'll spell it different so anyways yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> well so you were like a little bit earlier you were telling us the difference between black bears grizzly bears and polar, polar bears. bears yeah so grizzly bears grizzly kodiaks i mean i'm probably going to get is a lot that of... the same thing a grizzly and a kodiak uh yeah pretty much just a, a bit bigger and now i'm going to have all the bear experts getting on me for that but for all intents and purposes it's, right. it's essentially the same bear just different regions so out of those three bears a grizzly bear, you, pr you pretty much know what a grizzly is going to do. If it's lame or hurt, it's going to attack you. It's going to false charge you, this and that. A black bear is very skittish, and you don't know what it will do. And a polar bear will kill you no matter what. A polar bear will kill you just for killing you. Well, so like the kill, like so polar bears are kind of like the house cats of the wild, where they just kill stuff just, just to kill. Get it. Yeah, they're just killing machines. Wow. I'd rather be stuck up against two grizzly bears than one polar bear. Really? Yes, sir. And what's the size difference between like a black bear, a grizzly bear, a Kodiak grizzly bear, and a polar bear? Well, it's all going to be regional on that one. So, um, I mean, black bears have been known to get up three, four hundred pounds. Your grizzly Kodiak, you're looking, you know, thousand pounds. Uh, I've heard tales coming out of the Yukon of a grizzly bear going up to the side of a house and, and essentially lifting the roof off to crawl inside and raid the fridge. Wow. Yeah, so big old bears. And then a polar wow. bear is pretty much on that same scale. So like polar bears, like I saw one in the Smithsonian, the thing was like 12 feet tall yeah. or something. Like massive, massive animals. Mm -hmm. How fast can these things Run move? fast, fast. You do not want to be on the receiving end. If a polar bear is running at you, it's best just to pray. There's going to be nowhere to go. There's no, you're Buddha, Buddha Muhammad, Jesus, please yeah, help me. whatever, whoever's listening. Yeah. Okay. Just pray that the bear gets a cramp or something. <laughs> oh, not enough water. Uh, cramp. Hey, so you guys send in your questions tonight. We're talking about the Arctic Circle. Josh here has been up there in the nether regions. And um, we're, we're going to talk about that. And essentially, like, there's, there's still men here today 
men and women, I guess, that are going up to these places that are like literally we were talking about the temperature and I did the math and we're talking minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit of where they're at when you count in windshield and all that stuff. It's probably probably even colder than that. So it's like unbelievable temperatures, unbelievable. And there's and there's Inuits. Inuits, yeah. So they're not called Eskimos. You can't say Eskimo anymore. Uh, just as a point of reference, but it's it's Inuit, yeah. So you non-PC guys that are out there, it's not Eskimo anymore, it's an Inuit. And it's not even that it's a big deal that it's non-PC, but it is good to be respectful, to I think, to anybody who will voluntarily live in such a harsh climate. I will call them whatever the heck they want me to call them. That is, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. So tell us about, yeah. so you would describe to us, to the guys, like the cold, like you were describing it to yeah. me. And I've been in 60 below zero. And yeah. I think that's about the coldest I've ever been. But, um, man, describe to us the cold. Okay, so the cold in, uh, in what was it, 80 below? Or what did you say? Minus, minus 65 Celsius. I don't know this Fahrenheit. So nonsense. 65 Celsius is like 81 degrees, minus yeah. 81 degrees. Yeah. So and then you count in the wind chill factor, yes. and you're, you're at negative 100. So in that sort of temperature, when you go outside, um, your bare skin, it seems to secrete some type of oil. I didn't really know what it was, nor am I qualified So is to that say. because of the cold? I would imagine the cold and dry, yeah. I mean, I remember coming in out of that temperature and wiping a thin layer of, of oil off my skin, and I just thought it was so, was so strange. Huh. Yeah. Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. So, I mean, but you, you had mentioned before it's like frostbite. You, t- so tell us about the work schedule. So how oh, long yeah. you're so, out versus how long you're So minus in? 65 when you're outside, you're outside for about half an hour, and you're in for an hour and a half. It's just like that because uh, it's you just can't subject yourself to that temperature. Because you like you'll literally yeah. go hypothermic, and you'd mentioned you've been hypothermic. I have been hy- times? I've been hypothermic three times, and it is the utmost worst experience you could ever have. Frostbite, how many times? I've never had frostbite. As a matter of fact, really? I've been very lucky with that. Yeah. Huh? How many guys did you run into that were like missing fingers? Oh, and tons, tons. Really? Tons. Easy sixty percent. Easy sixty percent of the guys I've met frostbite on their face, their ears, missing a finger. So are they losing pieces of their nose, parts of their ears? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's part for the course, right? Wow. Yeah. No, it's not part for the course for Jeff. <laughs> Come up, Jeff. I'll take you there. Eighty. So Arthur O'Connell, hey, thanks for putting that in. Minus 80 degrees Celsius is 112 degrees Fahrenheit, yeah. minus. So that's what we call yeah. wicked cold. Yeah, we were at minus 65 Celsius just to, to clear it up. So so minus 65 Celsius, which gets us to negative 80. Yeah. And then you got to throw the windshield factor on there. I think a minus 112 would just be horrible. So that's a great question. So Anthony Nelson, do you build shelters around the yeah. drill? Yeah, oh, 100%. So it would be made out of two by fours and plywood. And normally we'd have some sort of diesel, uh, diesel fueled heater. But in those, in those temperatures, unfortunately, the heater didn't do much. I mean, I remember being on shutdown one night in the middle of the ice, about minus 60 or whatever. I had two heaters set up. I had a, a piece of plywood over for a bed. I had all my winter gear on, my toque or beanie, as you guys call it, <laughs> my balaclava, a hood up, and a blanket over me over, this, uh, over these two heaters, and I was still freezing. Wow. Yeah, so it doesn't do much. It cuts right through. You know, it reminds me of a time when I was at – at first special forces group then um they sent us out on a trip one time and we were going to the polaris plant mm. where we were going to learn how to ride snowmobiles nice so we got on a plane we <laughs> flew to um minnesota or michigan that was a long time ago i can't remember exactly what it was we got off i think we landed in north dakota and then it was sunny clear 
no wind mm. and zero degrees. So it was like that's pretty it, ample. It was like, man, this is this is cold. And um, <laughs> it, then we then we got in cars and we drove north, and and we were all like, this is going to be like the biggest boondoggle. We're just going to ride snowmobiles this entire like ten days or something like mm. that. And I've never been so tired in my entire oh, life. Yeah. And it, it, because it was like your body's trying to stay warm, and, yep. you're, and you know, and you're fighting these snow machines because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Mm. We we're trying to learn. But you had mentioned something earlier about the caloric burn mm-hmm. that you run into when you're in the cold. Can you explain that yeah, a little so, bit? So anytime you're in the cold, I mean, conserve your energy, especially if it's in a survival situation. That should be rule number one. Always conserve energy, but in the cold, more so. So when you think about it, you're packed up with, you're wearing all this gear. So say 40 pounds worth of beer, or gear, gear 10 pounds worth of boots, okay? And you're outside, it's cold. Um, your body's just constantly working to keep everything warm. You're trying to stay hydrated the best you can, but chances are good you're drinking cold water, which is obviously going to wear your energy out. And the minute you start, uh, the minute you start losing your energy in the cold like that is when it starts to get very dangerous. When you become hypothermic, you know, things like that. Like you had mentioned, you just lose massive amounts of weight. Oh, tons of weight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I remember going for dinner. I would have three steaks, one on top of the other. And a big pile of potatoes and i just i'd smash that down in no time and then i couldn't gain a pound wow. i could not gain a pound hey zach so throw up the map so these guys can see where exactly josh was one of the was spots working we'll do one of the spots yo we're stalling for 15 seconds you guys out there i want you to count 1000 2000 so but we're gonna we're gonna go where it's like essentially it's like way 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 north we're we're up north we're not up in the north pole or anything but you definitely you look at it it's like no trees just tundra Tundra. the only stuff that's out there you said there was wolverines Uh, that was up in the western arctic i didn't see anything in the eastern arctic in the is there any wildlife at all just like whales and stuff so but nothing seals i never saw anything maybe six six they're like little groundhogs Northern uh, groundhogs, Arctic foxes that are all white. They're pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, what are they? So here we are. So we've got this. Where, where, where are we talking about? Where were you? All right. So if uh, Zach, just zoom in a bit there for me, partner. All right. So we landed in here. So we ran, landed in Rankin Inlet, and then we, uh, we got flown off to somewhere about here, like not even on the map, middle of nowhere. So we've got Baker Lake, which you had said is, is that like a base camp? Uh, it's, it's a more populated village probably than so anywhere po- else. So populated meaning how many people? Oh, I don't know. Ten? <laughs> no, a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe like three, four hundred, depending. Oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know where they've come from. I know they've been doing oil and gas ops in Baker Lake, so I don't even know what the... So, so you're actually are. out here. Yeah, we're going to be over here some more like no man's land, a good, a good plane ride to civilization. So how long of a plane flight was that to like, oh, I guess Baker Lake's probably like the... Yeah, it would have been three and a half, four hours, something like that. Whoa, and actually, really? a really funny story, if you don't mind me just dropping this really quick. Please. One of our pilots uh, who'd flown us from Rankin to site, his name was uh, Bob Heath. So Bob was a great guy. I loved this guy. Good man. He was talking to all this project about going and flying down to Antarctica. And he eventually did, but he did pass away. He got into a crash in Antarctica with his crew. And never made it out. I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Oh wow! Yeah, sort of bummed K- everybody. Kudos out, to the adventure. That guy was that life. guy was living it, man. That guy was living his best life. Whew. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and and when you would get when you guys would go out here, did you call it the tundra? Did you call it the hell? 
<laughs> it's a common misconception that hell is hot, my friends. Hell is cold. It's very cold. It's like the Greek hell. <laughs> yeah, just the tundra. How, how long would you be out there? Um, it depended. I know some guys were doing three, four months at a time. I did about... Oh, three, did about, four months. Yeah, I did about 60 days. So you start to get a little squirrely. You don't have any, you know, amenities. Guys run out of cigarettes. Sometimes you run out of food. <laughs> I'm not kidding on that food thing. We got stranded. We got stranded on the tundra one time during a whiteout. And we, we, it was about 10 guys, and we were all limited food. And they're like, well, what are you going to do for food if we're out here for a few days? I said, you ever heard of the Donner Party? And everybody stayed away from me after that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, t- so three, four months yeah. at a time? Yeah, the guys would go hard. They'd go pretty much until, uh, I mean, pardon my language, but we had a, a, a term for that. It's like eating your own shit. By the time you're eating your own shit, it's time to go because you're just absolutely crazy. Wow. And you go decompress maybe for two, three days, maybe a week, and then you come right back. It was good money. So guys would stay out because the money was good. Money was just, great. And there was, what, 10 guys, 10 guys out there at the time? No, we're talking maybe like, probably like 20, 30, oh, something 20, like that. 30. And then camp staff. Yeah. You know, and your locals. Wow. And so, like, what was the diet? What would you guys Uh Camp food, of? greasy old camp food. I mean, we'd have, what do we have, prime rib at least twice a week do uh, crab legs every now and again. We do hamburgers, you know, just, you know, good, wholesome, stick to your ribs food. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Man, so you guys, this is your this is your chance. Like, uh, you're, you're gonna have to bear with me if I start running down rabbit holes, because this is stuff that's, even, even having been in the cold weather battalion in SF, this is fascinating, because this is stuff like, we didn't do that kind of, it's like, this is like the extreme of the extreme, and so, we didn't even do that. Did you guys have dog sleds? Did no, you? no, we didn't do that dog sled business. Although there were uh, there now, were people. Why, why didn't you? Well, there's not really much need for that. We would chopper in where we needed to be, and then we'd have snowmobiles uh, okay. where we were at to go back and forth. But there were guys that would pass through our camp on dog sled that were doing, you know, their Arctic trek or whatever, and those guys were pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. So how did you keep the diesel from... From gelling? Uh, yeah. Well, it's a little different. So I've actually talked to truck drivers about this, too. So... So the formula, the formula for fuel um, down here to Canada is a lot different just because of the temperatures. As much as getting a, a gallon of diesel in, in Georgia is going to be different from a gallon of diesel in Minnesota. It's just different ad- additives, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It hits Matt best. Why does Matt everybody best. keep saying that? Well, because you're a good-looking man. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff. You're a very handsome man yourself. <laughs> he was down here a little bit earlier. Yeah, I just got to meet Matt earlier. He was, He's a good he was, guy. He was too scared to jump on here with us, though. So... So let, let's so you got a list of notes. Let's look at a let's look at an extreme blizzard. Clip one, Zach. What does an extreme blizzard look like? Ooh. Oh yeah, that looks so, pretty good. So this is now based off what you had told us before. Is this an extreme blizzard? No. So where I'm from, <laughs> where I'm from in Canada, my home province of northwestern Ontario. Just give it a quick shout out, Kenora. This would just be we'd call that Tuesday. Maybe Wednesday. Tuesday. Or Wednesday. <laughs> That's just a regular day. <laughs> I, I hate to sound cocky about it, but So when you were talking about it, you could bring that back, Zach. When when you were when you were speaking about like blizzards, what's the difference between this and the whiteouts that you would experience? Okay, so a whiteout is when you go outside um and you and you put your hand up um in, in front of your face and you can't see anything. Like it is absolute absolute blindness so, so it's like the exact opposite if, if you ever been spelunking in a cave i'm not familiar with that so either. if you go into a cave it's it's actually it's kind of weird 
if you go into a cave, there is absolutely no light. Mm -hmm. And so there's this phenomena that happens where your where your your um, pupils expand and contract and expand and contract because your your brain is going because we there are very few instances in human beings' lives where we have no light. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden I think about it's kind of like with a whiteout. I wonder if something similar is happening in that because oh, based yeah. off of like describe the whiteout again. Oh yeah, like a snow blindness. So what you would get so complete white right in front of your face. Um, can't see anything, and yeah, and the white color just burns your burns your eyes. It's like welder's flash. Well, and you would uh, New Hampshire during nor'easter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, that's Matt Bernard. Hey, Matt, it's good to see you on there. And we've got a cool a few of our regulars that are on there as well. You guys, thanks so much for tuning in, Anthony Nelson. We've got Tommy that's on there as well, and then Matt Bernard. Hey, that's a thanks for tuning in. But um, so w when we're talking about a whiteout like yeah. you'd mentioned you walked outside your tent and yeah. like literally got lost yeah it was it was a matter of maybe five feet out the door and you turn around and you might as well be on the uh, on the dark side of the moon anthony nelson nice buddy lake of the woods all day but yeah um yeah you walk outside and you might as well have just been turned around three times you don't know where you are you can't you put your hand in front of your face about this and, and, and how really dangerous is that? It's extremely dangerous. I mean, there's been uh, been stories of people getting lost, obviously dying of exposure. I mean, a whiteout, it's going to be cold. It's going to be violent winds, and it's going to take the toll on your body. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man, this is it's fascinating. You guys send in your questions. So we're getting ready. We're going to watch a uh, clip number two. It's taken from a 1943 U.S. Air Force winter survival film. And you're going to have to tell us, is this real? Or bullshit. denotes nearness of game. That's good. Maybe I eat tomorrow. Why didn't I bring the 45 or that over and under? Nearness of game. Maybe me? Generally, you have nothing to fear from wolves. Once they get the man scent, they won't attack unless you run. Just stand stock still. Mister, you stand stock still. If a pack of wolves come around to take senses, they'll interview me from the top of the nearest tree. Stand still to escape wolves. Thrash around to drive sharks away. Things you gotta know to be a flyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you so, see a wolf and stand still, that's probably not a good idea. Wolf are predatory animals. They hunt you. They don't look at you because they're curious. They're not trying to figure out what you're what you're about. They are hunting you. So just grab something and pray to God that you can get a couple of hits in when he attacks. Plain and simple. There you have it. There you have it. So Luke, actually, Luke Robinson's got it. He's got a fantastic question. That is a Did great one. Did you make man. a rope perimeter so that you got, if you got turned around in the White House, there was some sort of fence to help you find your way back to a building? So had I done that in some sort of controlled situation where I had to be outside, um, we probably would have set something like that up. But where I was just young, dumb, and I want to see this White House, like I want to see what all the big fuss is about. So that is a really good idea, though. So, th so the bottom line is. They don't put up rope corrals because they say, don't go outside. Yeah, don't go outside. There's no reason for you to be outside in that, in that condition. 
and and you're and you guys you had mentioned this before you're living in tents mm -hmm. yeah in panel tents so you're out in like unbelievable cold with panel tents yeah. and pot belly stoves. yeah pot belly pot belly diesel stoves that wasn't too bad but you know, it's a tent in the Arctic. How, how much diesel would you get? I mean, like if you ran out of diesel, was oh, that you'd a, freeze. Is yeah. that a death sentence? Oh yeah, there'd be but there'd be more times than not where you wake up, you know, three, four in the morning, freezing. Your stove's gone out, been out for a few hours, uh, doors blown open. You have a big snowdrift in your in your gear, stuff like that. So, <laughs> jeez, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I hate the cold. I I'm not a big fan. Yeah. I, I like to be chilly. But the cold is yeah. just... I'm not a big fan of it either, believe it or not. It's not really my miserable. thing. It's miserable. All right. So what else? To, so tell us about what was your... Because guys always want to hear about everyday carry or EDC. What was your everyday carry when you when you go out into the tundra? Yeah. What was something that was on your body no matter what? I'd carry a multi-tool, Leatherman or otherwise. Got to have that. Um, I'd always, 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 after a point, carry um, uh, water purification tablets just because I'd contracted some, some gnarly parasite from contaminated drinking water. That is a must. I can't stress that enough. Keep that with you over the straw every time. Um, in, the, in a case of a cut or whatever, you can use it as a, as a disinfectant. So what is, what is it's it great. that you, you carry? Iodine tablets? Yeah, or? iodine tablets, water purification. Uh, That's it. So yeah, I carry those with you. I have those in my backpack right now. I have those in my car right now. Those are always always within reach so that's really interesting is all of a sudden you can you can um, use the iodine to clean yeah small cuts and stuff yeah uh, so you just crush it up yeah a little bit of water turn it into a paste and it'll help from anything getting infected ah yeah. very very cool very cool nice trick there yeah so and then so what else so you've got water purification yeah uh, ready man lighter matches or ready man sorry leather man leather man yeah that's um, good. Matches. That's, that's good subliminal yeah. twitch there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so matches would, waterproof. Really? Would I mean, if you got stuck out in the tundra, would I mean, was there even anything to make a fire with? Out uh, yeah, it really depends what time of year you're at. I mean, you can always dig for something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just a matter of how long you're gonna dig and how deep you're gonna dig. Yeah, you can always go get some some. Uh, some some brush or something but just a matter of keeping it a lid under the i mean the could temperature. you i mean was there could you build like an igloo or something um depending on what time of year it is because of the snow the snow has to be in season for igloos just to make it sticky enough uh, and that's a whole okay. other thing I, if you're interested in that i suggest googling it it is just it's so cool it is one of the coolest things ever and, i mean like so what was i mean how did the inuits how do they survive um I, I think just they have massive balls. That's really all I could determine. I mean, they, they're not, they don't have constant resupply of <laughs> no, diesel fuel. No, so everything up in, in the north for, for locals is very expensive. We're talking $20 box of cereal, you know, $25, $30 gallon of milk. Um, they rely mainly on hunting, so they do seal, they do uh, narwhal, stuff like that. And a lot of people down south will say, oh, it's bad to, to kill seal, but when, when they're uh, relying on it, as a part of their everyday diet, I mean, it's it's necessity. And they and they eat and use yeah every everything. piece of it, every piece of it. When when your buddy comes up with uh, with muckalucks made from some sort of whale hide, and you're like, wow, man, those are cool. He's like, I'll make you a pair next hunt. I'm like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt's got a great question. He's like, hey Josh, what was your inspiration to do this? I may have missed this at the beginning. To do what? Just to, what I've done? To, to go out there and work the mining. Just money, man. It was all money driven. <laughs> no, it was kind of cool. It was, um, it was going, I guess, where a lot of people I didn't know were going. 
So my hometown at 15,500, everybody kind of paired up, got married, popped out kids and worked at their dad's, their dad's store. And here I was on the, you know, in the tundra in minus 30, freezing my ass off. And it was, it's kind of like living. It was my little bit of adventure, sort of the, I don't know, sowing wild oats maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so, and Matt, you'll appreciate this. You know, when, when we were, we were talking earlier where I was like, you know, for a young man or woman, it actually to live a life of high adventure outside of the military, there's not a lot of places. But I'm con- it's interesting where I constantly keep finding like these new places where somebody can go and, and you know working yeah. the working the mining and whatnot in the in the Arctic. I mean, talk about a life of high adventure. Yeah, it was a good time. I really enjoyed it and just talking about it actually. You know, when you talk about it, you romance it kind of. It kind of brings a certain level of romance to it. You forget about being stuck out on the ice with not enough uh, replacement parts to fix your drill. You forget about, you know, almost dying in a chopper crash. You forget about <clears throat> running out of food and having the camp staff hoard food from you and you had to, like, steal it when they weren't looking. And you forget about the drama and, and, and then the parasite that's killing you from the contaminated drinking water. But you think, you know what? I had a lot of good times. <laughs> you know. So what is, what's, the, what's the number one thing that you miss and the number one thing that you detested? The number one the thing that I miss is probably the, how exclusive it was. So you roll up to this camp of, like, say, 50 guys. You know, it's you and 50, maybe 100 guys have been to this camp. And you can take pictures of people like, oh, where is that? And like, you, you don't know. I could put the coordinates in for you. And the one thing I don't Nowhere. miss. That's where it is. The one thing I don't miss is the feast or famine based on the work. So you could be busy for three months. Then you could be dead for the rest of the year. And oh, it was really? so stressful. And they'll call you and you maybe have 12 hours to get ready and go. Like you kept your bag packed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. So you guys, this is your chance. Blast in your questions. We're talking to Josh about living the life of high adventure you know how to be a yeti but obviously we're 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 talking about the work that he was doing in the mining companies up in the northern regions and so we're talking about like for us southern you know southern landers persons down here we're talking close to 100 minus 100 degrees fahrenheit in some of the areas that he's working with unbelievably unhospitable areas and then followed by like kodiak bears and you know, it's just on and on and on. Let's yeah. see. So, yeah, Matt, true adventure awaits those that That's want great. to challenge it. I like that one, Matt. That's a good one. And Anthony, uh, no vehicle partner. It was you and your bag and a snowmobile or a helicopter. Didn't really carry anything else. So what was the, what was the rate of – so we, we were talking about some of the other guys you were working with that were missing digits. Yeah. And you said – over half of the guys were missing. Yeah, players. well, it depends how old they are too, right? So how many, how long they've been doing it? But, yeah. But then, like, what was the fatality rate of guys? How often would mm. guys actually, I don't know, die? I never, I've never heard of anybody dying based on elements or they got it locked down pretty good. I mean, there was a lot of accidents, but a lot of those I think were accidents, so they could go home. Uh-huh. They're just tired of it. But yeah, I mean, the main fatality from that is when you come back to town, you get all hammered up and you go drive and you get hit by a car or, or, you know, you drink yourself to death. That was really it. That's great. That's great. So, so, and is, and you talk about that Anthony Nelson asks every day now. So it's like your EDC, you've still got some habits that Mm -hmm. carry over where you carry, you were saying you've got iodine tablets yeah, stashed always, all over the place. Always, always, always iodine tablets. Don't ever, if you're ever anywhere remote, 
Don't ever, ever, ever drink the water they give you without treating it. Ever. Ever. Because <laughs> you're dealing, how many years has it been? And you've still got uh, Yeah, it's been seven years. And I'll, um, I've been to the doctor numerous times with the Canadian healthcare. And um, I've been to the doctor numerous times. And I've been, I've been popped full of everything you can think of. Injections, tablets, the whole deal. And I'll fatten up for about three months. And then a month will hit. And I'll drop like 40, 50 pounds in, in 30 days. And just get really sick, and it's it's quite uh, it's quite an inconvenience. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Zach, we're gonna play clip number three, and then we're gonna then we're gonna talk to uh, Steven. I got a good there. answer for that. That's one, a partner. great question. One of the toughest parts of the Arctic is actually just. Just walking around because of all the snow. You're gonna need something to help you not sink into the snow while you're walking. So right now I'm gonna teach you how to make your own homemade snowshoes. We're after get this big ski off. When you're lost in the wild, you have to be resourceful and make do with what you have. So in order to make your snowshoes, what you wanna do first? Pull out your two daily tennis rackets from your jacket. Place them beneath your feet. This is gonna be like the base of your shoe. And next you're gonna need something to tie the rackets to your shoe. So you're gonna take the laces from your big ski and well unfortunately for me. It seems this big ski has no shoelaces. And you definitely don't want to use the shoelaces from your actual shoe because that'll make your shoes look weird. And you definitely don't want that in the Arctic. So what you're going to want to do from here is pull out the two extra shoelaces you carry around in your jacket and use these to tie the rackets to your shoe like so. This technique may look very complicating and difficult to understand. And it is. Alright, now that you made your snowshoes, nice and snug, it's time to get moving because we got a lot of ground to cover. Let's go. The ancient natives traveled great distances with their snowshoes. Some say they even went as far as going to the... And that's about enough for today. You don't ever want to dehydrate yourself in a snowy terrain like this one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, that was one of the things, being in the cold weather battalion in SF, it was like, it was unbelievably hard work. Yeah. It was just like... Plowing through the snow and snowshoes. Did you guys use snowshoes um, and stuff? No, nah, not really. I mean, you could. Uh, they would be accessible, but we were never really in that sort of thing. We just lug around our uh, our little area. Wow, yeah. man. So, so Stephen uh, Inberg, in Engberg. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably killing your name. Sorry. What's the most beautiful thing that you saw while you were out there? That's uh, a great question. Okay, yeah. So I was on night shift up in northern Quebec, a place called Kujuac. It's just north of Kujuac, so this is remote east too. And now I've seen the northern lights, I don't know, umpteen times. But when I saw them up in, in northern Quebec, I've never seen them like that before. I remember sitting on my snowmobile. It was probably like 1 in the morning. I'm looking up, and man, I could see blue, yellow, um, red, green, and I could actually watch them chase up and down the sky. And like... Sitting there looking at this, you kind of get that, um, you kind of get that goosebump and you're like, man, like who's seen this? Yeah. And that was quite the, that was quite the I, thing. I remember the first time I saw the Northern Lights, I, I was up on a cruise up in Alaska. Oh, nice. And I, and I walked out, I mean, obviously if it got chilly, I walked back inside the mm -hmm. cabin, but, but, and I walked out and I looked up and I saw the, you know, it was, gr it was mostly green mm -hmm. of what I saw. And I remember looking up and going, oh. That's the Northern Lights. <laughs> Man, that is so cool. You ever see them again, start clapping. What's that do? You just start clapping, they start moving for you. It's all uh, vibratory or whatever. Really? If you're really quiet, yeah. Nah, you're bullshitting me. All right, don't believe me, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what would I know? Yeah. What would I know? I've only seen the Northern Lights a million times. So, hey, Phil, thanks for tuning in. Tonight, we're talking with Josh here. 
he worked for quite a while up there in the uh, Arctic area doing mining and has just got incredible you know, wellspring of experience and, and great stories that we're talking about because it's like living that, you know, the savage gentleman is, you know, at some point you've got to have that life of high adventure, or at least we long for it. And, um, you know, and there's few places that we can go in the world anymore to live that life of high adventure. Yeah. And, and, and I think we've just identified another one that I didn't know anything about. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's absolutely. It's the last frontier, man. That, that is the Wild West as far as I'm concerned. Barren, untouched. Mm. Nobody out make there. make me miss it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you got on your list there, John? Um, I don't know. When you're in the Arctic in the summertime and there's no snow and the sunlight's out for 24 hours, you get sunburned really fast. So, so, so tell us about what is that like? That when is the sun never sets. That is unbelievable. That is probably one of the best four hour sleeps I've ever gotten in my life. Really? So when the sun's up for 24 hours, the best I could ever do is four hours, but I'd wake up feeling great. And, um, since you're so high up North, um, it seems that you get, uh, you get sunburned a lot quicker. I mean, me and my partner up there, I remember getting uh, the back of our neck or back of our necks just burnt red. And bitten up with different flies because the insect problem up north is pretty bad too in the summer. Huh. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's quite the experience. No sleep. Wow. Team no sleep. Wow. So three in the morning when you look at the sky, the sun will be there, say, and three in the afternoon the sun's there. So essentially, all it does is just go around and around above your head. And that was one thing that, that was when I lived up in the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I really enjoyed was the summer times because we're we're high enough. We didn't get twenty four hours worth of sunshine, mm -hmm. but. But like literally, the sun seemed like it was coming up at like three thirty in the morning. Do you not get that here? Uh, a little bit, but it's not as much as like up in Washington. Oh wow! Like here in the summertime in Utah, you know the sun will start coming up at you know like four thirty in the morning. It'll you'll start seeing the, you know the the light coming through. It's usually mm -hmm. about five, and then you know like nine thirty, almost ten o'clock at night before the sun goes down. It's just amazing because you have these really long days. It's mm -hmm. it's fantastic. It's yeah. in some ways it's horrible because my sons never want to go to sleep, so they're super grouchy. But <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, but Seattle was even longer. So, so Luke Robinson wants to know: Did you have any professional hunters guarding your camp from predators, like in the Liam Nelson movie? No, that was a good movie. That was actually shot in a in a place where I frequented when I was in that industry. And no, not really. So when I was in the mountains, not the Arctic, but the mountains, we used to have a wire set up, uh, electric fence around our, our camp perimeter just to keep the grizzlies out. And the fence we had to go through every day to get to work, which was, you know, unsettling for the first few times. Yeah. <laughs> but That's yeah, no, going outside the wire there. Yeah, no real no real hunters or anything like that, unfortunately, huh. yeah. So how, many, so how many close bear calls have you had? A lot. Too many that I'd like to, uh, I'd like to admit. I'm not afraid, really afraid of bears anymore. I'm more afraid of helicopters. So, uh, so tell us about it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, going outside, night shift in the middle of the mountains, pitch blackout. You go outside and you're doing something and you look up. This is a true story. And I looked up and I heard of, and there was maybe a bear standing, I don't know, five feet away from me or something like that, a grizzly. And I just froze. My first real close encounter with a bear. Just froze. And it, it could have been 30 seconds, but it felt like 30 minutes. And the bear just went and walked away. And then I went back in the shack and didn't come out for the rest of the night. <laughs> I was like, nope. So if you ever see a bear, just shit your pants. It seems to deter them. <laughs> so tell us, you were telling me a story about when that grizzly was following you down the trail. Oh, yeah. So I was up in the mountains. So this is an Arctic, right? This is mountains. Um, just walking down a cut line from, you know, 
maybe three quarters up this mountain, not quite summit, but, but pretty close. Just walking down this cut line, minding my own business, and you kind of get that feeling something's watching. You turn around, and there's this bear. So as I turned around, the bear saw me, and he kind of just starts acting coy. And he puts his head down, he's sniffing, he's looking at like, I'm not looking at no, you. No, he's like, whatever, you know, I'm just kind of doing my bear thing. And it's whatever. So I just keep carrying on, walk another 100, 100 yards or so and turn around. And it's the same detail. Bear's just, you know, oh, I'm not looking at you. It's whatever. So we're, we're walking down this cut line and the bear follows us the whole way. So just before I get to, to the bottom, I turn around really fast. And this bear, he was spooked by how fast I turned around. He, he's shocked. So this big bear's head is probably about this big. He, he sticks it behind this little tiny tree like this, like trying an attempt to hide from me. So you see this big bear head, ears, body, everything else, but you can't see his face. And it was almost like playing with like a kid or something. It was absolutely phenomenal. I was like, you can eat me, buddy. You're adorable. <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, Steven's got a great question. What was your favorite type of meat while you were up there? I mean, uh, did you eat whale and I seal? Ate, and... I ate seal. I ate seal blubber and a seal eyeball, sponsored by my friend Jimmy, who was probably the coolest dude I've ever met in my life. I wish I could keep in touch with Jimmy. The chances he's watching this is slim to none. But Jimmy, if you can hear me, email me, partner. Email me. Um, yeah, I ate some seal. Uh, in camp, it was mainly beef, pork, chicken, whatever. Um, but seal eyeball and, and seal blubber is definitely unique. And if you ever get the chance to eat it, go for it so the seal eyeball after the hunt is considered um the delicacy like they if they give that to you that means you're you know you take it and you don't make qualms about it and it actually tastes really good huh and what's the how, how's the blummer uh salty it's salty really yeah yeah it's uh just like fat it's not too like bad. salty because they put a lot of salt on it oh no salty it's, because... it's fat yeah it's blubber fat right uh-huh and um what another little survival thing you can do with that is if you keep the blubber on you you can you, you can strip the oil from it and actually start a fire Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's like a so little what is So, Anthony, what is flipper pie in the skosh? Flipper pie, like in Nova Scotia? Is that what you mean, Anthony? You got to, Anthony, you got you to gotta elaborate on us. Flipper pie in the skosh. It sounds like it could be like sounds a trick pretty, question. Yeah. Throwing, us out, throwing a ringer out there on us. In Nova Scotia? I don't know, man. I'm not East Coast. Not Whoa. to be, then I'm going to alienate everybody in the East Coast. <laughs> I am not from the East Coast of Canada, so. But this, but where where we were at up here was the was kind of the east though. Yeah, it's it's northeast. So, um, I mean, Canada goes further than that. You have Halifax, um, you have Halifax, Newfoundland, stuff like that. Good people, great people. If you're planning a trip to Canada, go to the East Coast. They'll take good care of you. They're amazing people. Wow. But uh, yeah, this is more Arctic. Yeah, it's it's actually it's a humbling. One of those. Uh, oh, it's seal. Oh, really? For pie. Uh, All right. How was seal meat? It was okay. Just, I mean, it was whatever. Did I, it, I mean, it tastes seafoody? Oh, uh, yeah, it was a little it was a little gamey, but I mean, if um I ate it raw, if it was cooked, maybe it'd be a different thing. Hmm. I mean, it was pretty Maybe that's where you got your parasites from. No, that was definitely not from that. It was from the water. <laughs> <laughs> Those Inuits know how to eat. They've been eating So like tell that. us so you're telling me a great story about your buddy Jimmy oh. that you had met where was he the one that came in on the snowmobile? Oh no, no, but that was another guy. No, this guy was awesome. Yeah, he. Uh, this. Inuit I mean, we're, fella. we're talking like unbelievably hard individuals. Oh yeah, like that, these guys. You can look at these guys, and no matter how tall they are, how big they are, you're just like, my balls will never be as big as this guy's. Like this guy is, like beyond. It's a guy comes rolling into camp one day. He's got his beanie, or as we call it, toque on. He's got a balaclava around his neck. He's got a beard, and he's all iced up. And he rolls up with his glasses on. 
and he just hammers, uh, he just hammers on the brake, jumps off, pops his goggles off, wipes the snow and shit from his beard. He's probably been riding for like six, seven hours. He's like, can I get some soup? I was just like, partner, stay there. I'll, I'll bring it to you. You know what I'll I mean? Crackers yeah, you're a hardcore, you're a hardcore dude, you know? So Meg, Meg is asking a good question. She's like, my kids and I go get cold when we hike in the winter. How do we keep warm? Oh, I know Meg Sanders. I know her. <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably just layer up, Meg. That's the best thing you can do. Keep moving. Keep moving. Work harder. And make some of those rolls like you made the other night. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I knew a guy who used to eat jalapenos. Oh, yeah? Yeah, to stay warm. He'd walk mm. around in wintertime. He's wearing shorts, and if he got Jesus. cold, he'd, you know, he'd pop a... Yeah. jalapeno in his mouth and eat it my biggest thing with that would be is if you're all bundled up like you said your friend was in shorts or whatever but if you're all bundled up you got your base layer your pants your snowsuit on and you eat those jalapenos man and it starts coming coming through i mean that's a lot of stuff to take that's off there before of i mean, realistically well realistically speaking you got a plan for that sort of stuff right <laughs> like if you're on the tundra you're not going to have butter chicken or curry or anything you know you're going to stick to your meat and potatoes that's right <laughs> that's awesome Okay, so what was the weirdest thing that happened to you out there? Got married. No. <laughs> um, weirdest thing. Did you seriously get married? Yeah, or? I ended up meeting this uh, meeting this woman in camp, and we ended up getting married, and we eventually got divorced, whatever, but yeah, <laughs> that was the weirdest thing to happen to me. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, it's... It's all, uh, it's all relative. I mean, there was one local guy who, who sneaked in a bunch of liquor one time and he, he got a knife from the kitchen and was like stabbing the, stabbing this door repeatedly and he had to get, you know, forcibly detained and stuff and shipped out. Really? That was pretty weird. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, that's, that's really the weirdest thing that ever happened. A lot of it's relative. Drunk right? dude stabbing a door with a butcher knife. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. Good, that's a good time. It's a good time. So, hey, Zach, we're, we're moving into pick number one of the Tundra. Let's it's, take a look. Let's see what it looks like. I mean, explain what we're looking at here, Josh. This is your 360 view from anywhere you're at where I was. This was up in Nunavut. So it was a rainy day. It was probably midsummer, maybe maybe August or something obviously raining um it's rocky like that all over i like to think of it as what the moon would be like and uh yeah and then just brush and and flies so air is so quite there's clear flies up there oh they have bot flies up there what's a bot fly? a bot fly is a really sweet little insect that will lay its larva under your skin it will it will leave a little like breather hole through your skin for it and then once that larva hatches it will move up to your brain and start eating your brain out from the inside really yeah Dude, grizzly bears ain't got shit on. No, that. let me that, tell you, that is horrible. Yeah. That, is, that is like, how do you avoid that? Yeah, um, we I had these um these bug repellent patches. It's like a Nicorette patch kind of, but it had some sort of vitamin in it that kept the bugs away. Um, I think it was like B12 or something. Apparently that works. But I will tell you this: B12 patches. Put those on if you're going to go out for a heavy night of drinking because you don't get hungover. Oh, there you Hung, go. Hangover cure right there. That's good, Sav's gentlemen. Tip right there. Let me tell you. So how did the Inuits survive? I'm constantly amazed. How, how did the Inuits survive like the brain-eating flies? I don't know, man. Like, I, they're just amazing people. I, I love the Inuit people. I've never in my life met a whole bunch of uh, tough people like that, ever. So like the fly would bite you, lay in larvae, lay it would get under your skin. Yeah. Then they'd travel to your brain and eat your brain. Yeah. Yeah. 
Strange. Yeah, Actually, I had a really nice chat once with this beautiful Inuit girl. She had green eyes, like the most entrancing green eyes I ever saw. Like it was something out of Nat Geo. And she said, I don't like you people from the South. And I said, well, why is that? She's like, you call us savages up here. She says, I watch my meat take its last breath. And you people go to a grocery store. I'm like, yep. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. You, got, you got me. She got there, JD. What is the best? Explain it all. Yeah. What is the best caliber to have while trying to survive? Anything? We didn't have guns. We weren't allowed to have guns. It's Canada. It's Canada. There's no guns allowed. No. But we we didn't even have signal flares or bear bangers or bear mace. We just had pipe wrenches, I guess. (laughs) That was. Well, you had bear spray. Right. Yeah, that was in the mountains. We never got that in the Arctic. No bears. But there's no bears in the Arctic. No. Oh. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I just carry. There's, speak there's just softly. Brain-eating flies. Speak softly and carry a big stick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick two. Pick All right, two. we're moving to pick two, and this is a camping site. Oh yeah, that was our. That was so that uh, that little structure you see there to the left. That was my tent. Me and my buddy Ben, and it looked out over this little this little lake here. So a couple of the guys in camp had brought up fishing lines, and they. Uh, and they just cast into it without any bait or anything, and the, and the fish were just biting at it because they've never seen it before. Like, this is untouched. So they were just throwing in hooks? Just because, hooks, yeah, and they were Because they were shiny? It. Yes, sir. How wow. was that? I've never heard of that before in my no, life. I've never I've, saw I've that. never heard of that before. And one of the guys jumped in there, and I thought he, was, he wasn't quite right for that because it was still cold. Well, yeah. So what kind of fish were you pulling out of there? I don't even know. I don't even know what they pulled out of there, to be honest with you. Big, yeah. big fish. Oh, yeah, they were big, yeah, but I just couldn't believe how quickly they, they bit. That's about 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah, it was a good time. It was so, like, you know, it's so beautiful like that. You tend to forget, like I was saying earlier, about all the nonsense. You know, it, it makes me kind of think about, like, the Vikings. You know, the Vikings mm. are in the news right now a lot, where yeah. more and more they're figuring out, like, the Vikings were here before Columbus. Yeah. And these guys, like, living in on the ocean mm. and then sailing down the, you know, sailing down the coastal areas and stuff and kind of the, the rugged wilderness that they saw, the, mm. the brain-eating flies all the way down and just being able to survive. Mm. Kind of makes you jealous, doesn't it? It kind of does. But a lot of those guys probably died, too. Oh, whatever. Valhalla awaits, man. Yeah, Valhalla awaits. <laughs> I would do something like that in a, in a New York minute. If we're given the chance to do something like that, I would 100% again. Living in uh, living in Green... There was a fake <sighs> news article that came out where they were saying that they found some Vikings in, um, in uh, the Hudson Bay. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody around the building <laughs> was like, yeah, <laughs> the way. And then it was like, it was fake news, guys. No. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that sucks. Why do they yeah. do that? Yeah. So, hey, you guys, we're in the final minutes of our live podcast. So blast in your questions. Now's your time to ask Josh any of your questions about, you know, being super cold and sleeping on top of a pot-bellied stove that isn't really keeping you no. warm because it's so incredibly a cold. A two-inch foamy mattress with a, with a four-star rated Arctic sleeping bag that had a hole in it. I'm waking up to 6'6 <laughs> six, six in, your, in, your, in your luggage, taking your stuff. Running out with your toothpaste and your toothbrush a what? and stuff. A sick sick. It's like a What's Arctic. A sick sick. It's like an Arctic gopher. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah, they're pretty cool. When in your tent, breath creates condensation. How do you keep it from freezing? Well, it never really got that cold in the tent, and it's not like uh, it's not like the type of tent you're thinking there, Jr. It's like um, it's canvas wall, so it's not that plastic, so it didn't really hold all that much condensation. 
So what? It just and because you had the pot belly stove, it keep it warm yeah. enough that you don't. Uh, yeah, and it's it's dry there anyway. It's it's the frozen desert. Might as well be. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mike, what does seal taste like? I don't know, man. Salty and not too bad. I've had worse. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. What part of the seal? The yeah. eyeball. Eyeball is delicious. The eyeball is as sweet as ice cream. Really? The eyeball is amazing. Once you get past the warmth and the texture of it. It's pretty good. Okay, so Anthony Nelson wants to know, for the normal person, what does one need to carry in the winterland? Um, it depends where you're going, how long you're going, what your, what your, what your uh, trip's if about. You're gonna, if you're going to go out in the mountains right here, what would you right. take with you? Um, water purification tablets, number one. I had, um, number one, uh, fire starter, um, change of socks. Oh, two, pair, two changes of socks, no matter what happens. That was my trick in the Arctic, too. You start to get wet, tired, miserable, change your socks, and life gets so much better. So change of socks, Tinder, um, like the fire starter, not the app. Um, <laughs> matches. It's not gonna do you some like rations. That. A really good ration to keep with you um, anywhere is is powdered Jello. I found like just Jello mix because you mix that up with water. You drink that. That's just nothing but a calorie bomb, and that'll get you going. Really? Oh yeah, powdered Jello. Yeah, and it keeps uh, keeps storage down in your in your pack too, right? You can just you can pack like three, four of those away. Wow, full I never, of calories. Never it's thought good for of that. You. Yeah, I thought Jello was like pure protein. No, nah, it's lots of sugar. Oh. Yeah, you really get you going. Interesting. Interesting. In the car with the family, a shovel, a signal light, backup batteries, hand crank battery, um, extra, uh, like a little stove, tea, coffee, something like that to drink if you get stranded. That's that's always a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. what I would do. Shovel. All right, you guys. Well, we're about the end of the show. We appreciate you guys tuning in and watching. You know, this is uh, this has been interesting. It's been all I could do to keep from running down running down rabbit holes with with Josh here, based off of uh, <laughs> based off of some of the stories that he was telling us a little bit earlier. But um, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Make sure that you're here on Thursday on Ready Man. We're gonna we've got a whole new show coming up for you there too. It's gonna be really good. But uh, before we take off, Josh, final words. Um. Just stay safe. Stay safe, really stay warm. Stay safe, yeah, stay warm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. This has been a great experience. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for traveling all the way down from Canada and the, and the Great White North. Anything for that handsome face, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time for a whole new show. We appreciate you tuning in. Till then, we'll see you later. Bye, guys.